0: Big. Shiny. goons
1: hello and welcome everyone to the show that gets people talking about something else this is big shiny goons and it is episode 25 i'm your host thomas and with me today is a writer for sb nation's broad street hockey co-worker we could say um Maddie Campbell Maddie how's it going
0: doing great how are you
1: doing pretty well can't complain on a weekend uh morning just before we get all set for hockey and everything it's gonna be crazy
0: just very nicely easing into things
1: (laughs) yeah just not nothing abrupt nothing terrifying nothing no worrying about how we're doing and whatever we're doing but um yeah, like how, so how's your summer been really?
0: Uh, it hasn't felt like much of a summer, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just been kind of nonstop for you, right?
0: Yeah, I, um, I, we were talking about this before, but mm-hmm. I was doing so much with the draft and it seemed like that was happening for a very long time. And then I had a little bit of a break after that and felt like I was kind of just starting to catch my breath there but then it was like development camps happening and suddenly rookie camp is in like two weeks and then it's training camp and ah.
1: yeah it's not yeah honestly and then preseason, and then regular season and the next thing you know you're just uh yeah you're just at every game especially for you where I'm lucky and I just have to stay home away from everything <laughs> <laughs> um so how like I guess we could go into more of like your origin? And like, how did you even get interested in like writing about hockey at all?
0: You know, it kind of happened by accident, weirdly. Um, I've always liked hockey and it's Mm -hmm. kind of something that's been on in my house like since I was a kid, but I never really thought about it as an actual career path. I went to college for English creative writing Which is like sort of related but like I had other ideas about what I wanted to be doing and then like the summer before my last semester of college I was kind of hitting that oh shit what am I going to do after I graduate it's all (laughs) becoming very real now um and a girl I was working with in my um like office work study job situation uh was running kind of a Philly all things blog and just asked if i wanted to write some hockey for her because she was redoing her sports section and knew that i liked hockey and could write and i was like yeah sure why not i've never done that before but i'm not doing anything else so let's take a shot at it
1: yeah and always it's like i feel like i've always talked to this about like with coworkers and stuff and everything of like how sometimes the more interesting ones are people that were not like enveloped in the sport from like the get-go. Like I I was talking to a friend of mine. It's like, I have a, I have a period of like four or five years where if you ask me like who was even on my favorite teams, then I have no idea. Just cause I was like completely involved in something else. And I was just like a break from everything. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's kind of, it's a little refreshing to get that like creative writing background because then also your like writing is more interesting anyways than like the standard formulaic like this happened then this happened like it's it's the same shit it's not doesn't read like a story it reads like a press release kind of
0: yeah I hope so and I mean I, I focused in poems too which is an interesting yeah. mix there but no I, I do think it was really valuable um you know something that you get told a lot when you're going through like an English program or a creative writing program is how important it is just to read things and absorb Mm. that way and figure out what other people are doing that works and then kind of develop your own voice that way and I I don't know if that's necessarily something I would have been thinking about had I been hard into journalism going into this job I think it's it kind of forced me to Mm -hmm. be a little smarter and just be a bit more of a sponge
1: yeah yeah and like uh were there any like early origins that or not origins any like early influences you remember like someone Um,
0: specific not too precisely it was just like that summer I was reading like anything I could get my hands on pretty much Mm -hmm. from like blogs main publications to like just trolling through hockey graphs and stuff so um it, it was an interesting amalgamation but it's yeah turned into something i don't know
1: honestly yeah sometimes you just gotta look back and be like okay i did this and this and it's like it's just wild like now you're like what's the is this like how many seasons have you been on the beat kind of like covering and like going to games and stuff
0: I'm heading into my fifth season. oh my God, geez. which is wild. <laughs> yeah. like I'm 25 and I don't know. I feel like a, a veteran at this point, but I'm a, a child also. I don't know. It's yeah. this weird middle space for sure.
1: Yeah, and like it's it's weird because also I don't know like Philadelphia, but in Toronto like the few games I've covered because I've always kind of kept a distance or whatever. Um, like it's always kind of this weird look sometimes you get from the really established beats or anything like the not the crusty old men to say but but basically that and like it's 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 weird it's like a weird relationship that you kind of have and it's like are is it like do you respect what I do or do you like are you reading everything that I do and it's like it's kind of it's just weird like going like back and forth kind of thing
0: yeah definitely and the demographic on the Philly beat. I mean, I'm sure you've seen like from Twitter and everything is uh, it does skew uh, older and very male, mm-hmm. um, which obviously I would like to see that changing, but you know, it it also hasn't been like the absolute nightmare that that sounds like it could be a setup for. So um, I'm really grateful for that, but it's uh there's definitely times where I do feel like, oh God, I am very much not like everybody else here.
1: Like, did you, in like your first year, did you find any, like, I don't know, weird conflicts or anything?
0: Um, not too much. And honestly, I think more than anything, it was like, I was manufacturing it. Like I was looking for somebody to be sort of like, I don't know, not too accepting of me, or like just weird in general. But um, more often, it was just like everybody's kind of doing their own thing and not really paying much attention to me at all. So, which is fine. Which which is is fine. Yeah, that's. I would like to also be left alone to do my thing. Yeah. (laughs) So it was good, but um, on the flip side, I uh, that whole first season, and actually, when whenever we've been in our kind of regular press box. Configuration. Um, I sit next to Charlie O'Connor, so he's been a really great resource uh, since I got started, and just a pal. Yeah. So I've been really grateful to to have him there too.
1: well Charlie's already been mentioned. I think this is the third episode that he's been <laughs> mentioned on. He, Dom talked about his music tastes and like basically him getting music recs from Charlie specifically, like yeah. all the time. I'm like, yeah, kind of makes sense. Like, yeah um but yeah so like do you like you talked kind of about the philly beat and stuff and like specifically philadelphia do you feel like you get more experience covering like just being in philadelphia and like the insane kind of microcosm sports world that philadelphia is
0: it's uh it's definitely a pretty distinct flavor um i'm not too tuned into the rest of philly sports mm-hmm. um, I just get whatever like angsting is happening on Twitter (laughs) and in the Slack chat, which is probably not always the best like actual metric for how the teams are doing, but uh, you definitely get a taste for how the fans are. And I don't know, I think it's uh, a market where the fans are definitely really engaged. And that's definitely pushed me to like be actually good at my job. You know, if nobody was reading my (laughs) shit, it's like, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't have to be good. Oh. I'm Just gonna mail it in, but so, so like uh, Min-
1: like Minnesota or uh, <laughs> no, <I'm
0: just> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've seen the commenters on uh, on BSH that if your work's not up to snuff, they'll tell you about it, um, yeah. which is valuable usually.
1: I've I've already had that. They just don't like the stuff that I write. I think my <laughs> writing's fine, but yeah, it's just the content. It's just the context of it.
0: But you're doing great.
1: I try. It's okay. Um, I'll continue shit talking Samarin until my, until he's like retired. Um, yeah. Like so. I guess we'll just move on to our first segment. Kind of bring on more while here. Not talk specifically about sports. I know you're probably already. It's enough. You gotta. You already have enough for the year. Um, so, Maddie, could you tell the audience anything that you're checking out recently? It doesn't have to be a new release. Doesn't have to be anything. Um, spicy or hot take-ish uh just like anything that you're checking out with the last couple weeks
0: um it's been kind of a weird mix recently um throughout a lot of quarantine i've been getting back into a lot of the stuff that i was listening to in high school like for no real reason just getting back into it so it's been a lot of the sort of emo pop punk throwbacks and stuff um I feel like there's something you could unpack there as to why the quarantine brain is going back to that. But I, I don't have an easy answer for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, I guess we're all like reverting to like, even I find myself sometimes doing that. Like I was listening to, so like in high school, I like grew up as like a hardcore kid and I was listening to like the old shit that I liked then and like have heart and like straight edge bands like that. Um, Mm. But yeah, and it's like this weird kind of you have the extra time to listen and it might not be total like undistracted listening, like commuting or something because you're not going anywhere or we weren't going anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting time. Like, what were some of the bands that you were really into in high school? Um, Other than the one that we're talking about later. <laughs> later
0: yeah, no spoilers yet even though it's going to be the episode. People. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we spoiling it for? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, I was big into state champs and I do still kind of listen okay, to them. Yeah. Um, It's like an all-time low era. And it's weird that they're like picking back up. Like I'll turn my radio on in my car for like a second and then hear yeah. them. I'm like, oh no, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> we left that way back in yeah.
1: 2014.
0: I need, to be, I
1: need to be reading AP and... Like, yeah. <laughs> um yeah like so was there any other like foundational bands like anything that kind of like shaped your taste at all or was it like kind of from the get-go you're more into this because it kind of you're exposed with that
0: um I think it was just I was exposed to a ton of that um we my sister and I were like going to a ton of like pay 15 bucks to get in to like a shitty dive bar show when we were in high school um, and just kind of picking up more and more new bands that way. So it, um, it just kind of built that way. I think my taste at the time wasn't particularly well-rounded. I wasn't really seeking out new stuff and also had this weird, like very anti-pop music okay situation, which yeah. I, can't really explain but like radio pop was the devil not having any of that yeah. Um, but yeah thankfully I've evolved a bit from there
1: yeah and it, yeah like it's always good to I feel like everyone like kind of when they maybe it was just my like my experience but when I was diverting from like this might be like when I was like 10 or 11 or something diverting from like my parents listening. Or stuff that like my parents listened to it was always very like hard-nosed kind of like this is the greatest thing and then everything else is kind of shit um kind of attitude maybe you like maybe that's also just like an adolescent thing of like a very like angsty like oh your shit is terrible sorry um I'm right all the time yeah kind of thing but yeah and it's like it's 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 different to see, like, how... So how did you discover those bands that you were initially into? Like, was it an online thing? Because we're kind of around the same age. Like, I'm two years older. But it's still, like... I remember some internet stuff, but it was a lot of, like, my older sister and, like, of just, like, word of mouth stuff. But was it all kind of internet or, like, kind of the same deal?
0: I want to say word of mouth now that I'm thinking Mm. about it I'm like have I erased all of my like middle school high school memories what happened here um no I think yeah I think it was mostly like getting into stuff through some of my friends and then kind of going from there um because I wasn't super super online at that point so yeah I guess it had to be that's not a very good answer
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's okay it makes sense because like it does influence everything like we I remember first listening to 50 Cent, seeing the, uh, I think it was the Indie Club music video in my next door neighbor's basement. Um, And yeah, and that's how I was exposed to early hip hop for me, (laughs) but like, it's, it's always a little, like these little quirks that you like develop over time and like really kind of get in your tastes. Um, Yeah. Like kind of maybe the anti-pop thing is more developed just because it was like, you're so exposed to that, especially around that era. Like, yeah, like early two thousands, mid 2010s, like 2005, 2006, like it was like all over and there wasn't a lot of alternatives. Like maybe you could listen to like up here, like some 41 or like, um, I don't know, like a very Canadian band is Billy talent. And I've already talked about it in some episodes, but like we had much music up here. Basically that was like, because, So this is some like Canadian lessons right now. So, (laughs) but so the CRTC runs our media basically, and they are obliged to, and this is probably because of, of how much like American culture kind of seeps into Canada. They're obliged to play Canadian bands on the radio, like X amount of times. I don't know what it is or like every song, but it's like, it's, it's seriously, they are like they have to have a Canadian run TV show or Canadian movie, or like, it's a very like supportive of our thing. So those bands get like absolutely massive with like within. And of course, like they could kind of like cheat a little bit and play like Bieber or Nickelback, which is like just popular music in general. But yeah, like it's, it's a very kind of, controlling thing but then also expose you to a lot of bands that you wouldn't hear of and you kind of can shape your taste that way like was there any I don't know like a defining moment that you can remember of like even any band that you were involved like got really into it in high school or even later just like something that was really caught on um like LimeWire or something like you're <laughs> discovering it that way or anything
0: I don't know um I don't know um i'm still thinking about your like canadian music structure also um no it's our our state-run
1: socialist uh media no i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) i i have been thinking a lot about that because i like arkels and Mm. it seems like that's they're one of the like weird oversaturated in canada bands. but like i saw them play in philly a couple years ago with like a couple hundred people in like a basement bar situation Mm -hmm. and I'm like how how is this so different versus seeing like them selling out arenas and shit in Canada I'm like I don't understand how this works
1: but I feel like that's a lot of bands like um so I was talking to oh I don't know if this is I'm pre-recording on this I have to figure out the freaking okay it will be the next episode we're talking about Alexis on fire and I already did that. <laughs> um, do you know the band Alexis on fire?
0: Um, not well, but I know the name. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that's another band that was like massive in Canada, like selling out in within seconds of like bars and like, and then it was like, yeah, I think they eventually moved up to arenas, but it's also one of those bands that you can't really like arenas, not the same kind of thing. Um but yeah, it would be, they're like, it's this insane following and they're basically big everywhere else, but the States, like they go to Australia, they kind of have the same popularity in Canada, Europe, like England and like, um, randomly in Brazil, they're really big and stuff, but it's like, it's, I think it's this weird notion of like the American market compared to Canada where we get overshadowed with some stuff, but then like, they're still big. The same acts are still big, like everywhere else. But then like, and then we just listen to K- American bands the same. Cause it just like seeps into our TV and stuff.
0: That's wild. And like, I don't know, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but you'd think like, I don't know. I don't know what's stopping like those bands from getting bigger in the States. Cause you know, we have the internet now and everything. I right, think right. it would be more democratic and not, so aggressively influenced by just like whatever's playing on the radio and on tv and shit
1: yeah definitely like maybe it'll change now but this was oh god alex on fire was big yeah like 2008 2009 so it was a little before like spotify and streaming services are really popular where you can just like click on anything like there's still obviously like music videos released on internet but you kind of have to search i feel like especially with those you kind of have to search more but it's, it is like a more organic way of finding bands. Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And like, and going back to, I guess like this whole discovery thing, like when you were discovering bands at different shows, like a band that you wanted to see and then another band that you kind of liked opening up for them or something. um, Do you felt like that was more organic or natural compared to like now where everything's like, you go to Spotify or Apple Music and then there's like related artists or art or fans also like, and then you just click that and go down like a rabbit hole that's almost like pre-manicured.
0: Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say it, it feels a little bit more organic. I also feel like the Spotify algorithm has me a little too figured out at this point <laughs> and that kind of freaks me out a little bit.
1: Yeah, like what are some like bands that you were able to like recommend? You're like, yeah, this is perfectly my stuff and it's freaky that they have figured this out.
0: A really weird one was around the same time I was getting into tracking uh, like prospect data for the mm-hmm. University of Michigan. They gave me this like sort of indie pop band called the Kelsey's and they're like, I'm like 100%, this is my shit. <laughs> this is great. Hit the nail on the head here. Yeah. And it's, it's a student band. From the University of Michigan.
1: Oh. And
0: I'm like, oh no.
1: <laughs> they're, they're watching me. Oh my God. They see they see Cam York stats and they're like, this person likes the Kelsey's. Come on. <laughs>
0: that was a little bit too much for me.
1: Yeah. And like, even I've talked to C Morley about their experience. And like it was TikTok for them that okay. like it was just freaky about how they were able to like watch TikToks and then get into the music by that. And they were just listening to like TikTok songs. Like, is there any other, like other than Spotify or whatever, like any YouTube algorithms you're like listening to or just like noticing live performances or something?
0: Uh, Spotify's the big one. I haven't, mm-hmm. I actually only just recently got TikTok too. So I'm not too deep into that rabbit hole just yet. Although very early on, it did give me like a weird cat video. And the voiceover sound sounded just like my voice.
1: Oh. And I cute. sent it to my sister, like, oh. <laughs> this is conspiracy theory stuff. This is like, we're going dar- down in the dark web. No, we're not that podcast, but um, this
0: is wild.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, other than, so we're, it's obviously in the title with Jack's Mannequin, but were there any other big artists that you really? like held on to like you had all time you mentioned but was there any artist that um that really kind of like shaped like do you remember the first band that you listened to other than like what you kind of grew up with and were like given to by your parents or something
0: um some early ones i remember getting into were like cartel um early paramore Okay. Yeah. Um, in that sort of realm um yeah and those those are ones who have sort of stuck with me as well um cartel more so even though they're not releasing music anymore that's mm-hmm. a catalog that i feel like i go back into quite a bit um yeah and even though like i'm not really listening to too much new pop punk at this point um i don't know those are ones that have Kind of stuck with me
1: yeah and i do feel like paramore was one of those bands that were so like just blew up and they were kind of ideal to break into because they're still like a little like they're obviously still pop punk but it was also more like what's the word i'm trying to find uh like easy to transition into that kind of thing it was a very like yeah. um gateway band
0: mm-hmm.
1: like i always have some of those where you kind of start listening to how, he- like, for me, it was always heavier and heavier stuff. And it just like progressed. And then like in high school, I was listening to like death metal and shit. But after, before that, it was always like black flag, which was led to before, like kind of harder, like gorilla biscuits, which they still had, like melody and stuff. And it was like a little bit before that, but it's always interesting when like you think back and see your shapes, like your taste kind of shape into what it is now? Like, do you think any like, of any big jumps that you made in listening or like big like risks you felt and then that was kind of rewarded at all?
0: Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it has sort of evolved a bit as mm-hmm. like that scene. Okay, uh, yeah uh has sort of evolved as well I feel like there was a point around 2013 2014 where the sort of general umbrella of like warp tour bands you were seeing more of like Mm -hmm. some kind of pop indie influences coming into that mix and I sort of just started getting into a little bit more of that and that's more of what I listen to now at this point but um So it it didn't really feel like too much of a big jump for me at the time. Um, It's sort of like your your gateway thing, but right, yeah,
1: yeah. And like, so did you attend Warped Tour a lot?
0: Um, I went. Yeah, I went a couple of times. (laughs) Um, I'm also a little bit of a baby, so like, the idea of being outside. a full day with just a bunch of sweaty people and like you can't find water anywhere and getting a ton of sunburn is not my ideal way to spend an afternoon
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah this one I think is my first warp tour because of course like yeah we're kind of we were into the same kind of stuff earlier on um yeah and like my first warp tour oh my god my voice um (laughs) was up in in like by uh yeah just like swallowed something apparently um was like basically in a mud pit because it rained on the friday and it was disgusting it was like not as bad as just because i recently watched the doc but woodstock 99 and their mud there um there wasn't any sewage so that's good um but yeah it's it's it was like you just felt so gross and especially that being my first like festival experience and they cram everything into one day so it's a lot like it was my I thought that was just normal but it's like constant just sound and everything playing and then you go and there's like yeah there's like bands and tents and you're like fanboying a little bit um like do you have any memories from your warped tour experiences um
0: we had one my sister uh crowd surfed at a mayday parade set <laughs> fell and like re-dislocated her kneecap that she had hurt oh like falling on a run one time this was yeah still in high school um <laughs> and she walked around like for most of the day with a t-shirt like ace bandaged wrapped around her knee Jesus. So, did you,
1: like, carry her to the medical tent, or was it just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like trucking she, through this.
0: She was, yeah. She's like just trying to pull through. Um, I don't think it was that bad because it, like, not to be too gross about it, but like it went back and everything. So like, there yeah. was no real damage. It was just a little bit swollen. Oh my but god, that's. So... I guess uh, you're a teenager. You're a little bit more <laughs> resilient. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, like, did you meet any bands also there?
0: Um, I wasn't really too into that Mm -hmm. um to be honest that's like also probably my anxiety
1: (laughs) (laughs) right it's a little yeah
0: yeah
1: um yeah like I have this one it's probably the one photo that I always bring up um if I want to get embarrassed or embarrass myself um I was in grade nine or ninth grade um and I saw I don't even know if you remember this band, it was, uh, I set my friends on fire. Yes. It was all one word. Oh my yeah. God. So I was with one of the singers or whatever. And I had like shoulder length hair, but it was all super flat ironed, like dry. It basically looks like straw on my head. I was wearing a, a ship shaped rule shirt, which was the guy from devil wears Prada's like uh-huh. clothing company and it was like neon yellow and like black tight skinny jeans it was so bad I I wanted to be a scene kid so like I stretched it as far as I could without like dyeing my hair and making the extra effort but
0: that's very of the era though oh my god yeah it was
1: oh god it was like 2000 I want to say 2009 yeah so yeah it was very very I was hip I was cool I was uh strutting my grade nine self and and in my high school which was very like half of the kids are from farms so it was very like classic classic teenage story of like trying to be really cool in that era
0: amazing I do uh I had some friends who played one year and I do remember like the coolest I've ever felt (laughs) was just sort of like popping by their merch tent at one yeah. point and just kind of hanging out a little bit and like fans are coming up to get pictures and we're just like with the band or whatever
1: <laughs> like, no. Very cool. you always do feel cool like even when I was playing hardcore shows in like my little like outside of Toronto areas and like it would be like I would be the first band or the second band and there was like cooler bands that we played with and I was like Oh, I get to hang out with these guys. And I always seem younger, but it was really like I was one year younger, maybe. And it's always those weird, that weird feeling of like, I don't know, maybe it was like the anxiety, but you look back on it, it's like, why did I even think anything of that? Like, they weren't, they're not like celebrities or like big name bands or anything. It's like, but you just have this idea in your head, but it just like feels when you do get that experience and like being behind the merch table or like, talking to the band and someone comes up like a fan or something. It's like a very unique experience that like everyone probably has sometimes
0: Yeah, and I feel that a lot um with like my job um mm-hmm. where like one of the first questions I get asked like when people find out that I cover games <laughs> and like get to interview the players and everything, like oh, is that so cool? Like what is that like? And I'm like, I don't know, dude, it's fine, I guess. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I remember the one game. So the one Leafs game I have actually covered was a preseason game against Montreal. But it was also, this is probably why I'm never going to cover a game again. Um, I also tweeted something very bad from the press box. So that's really bad. But uh, yeah, so um, it was the first game back since Austin Matthews uh, had his incident in Arizona. It was literally the first game back, so I got to talk to Dubis and everyone, and like, and everyone came out. And honestly, the players are shorter. That was my first like instinct. Like, I'm not a tall dude. I'm probably five ten, maybe five nine and a half or something. I felt like I could see eye to eye level with like Austin, even. Like, it's this weird. Like, he's listed as six three or whatever, and it's like, no, you're maybe six feet. Like oh, yeah. That was lies. the, that was the first thing that I noticed. And like, honestly, I just blanked after that. I was like, <laughs> I'm not cut out for this, but yeah.
0: I do kind of love talking to like taller people and getting that insight on like, who is 100% lying about their height. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm five one on a good day. <laughs> oh, so everybody is looking. tall to yeah. me. And I, I do lack that bit of nuance that I like, I can't tell really.
1: Yeah. Well, it's so. even, I think, um, yeah, like, you know, Romina, um mm-hmm. and so she met Johnny Gaudreau at like the Calgary Stampede
0: yeah and
1: she was like I'm literally the same height as him or maybe taller and it's like he is lying <laughs> like yeah. he is like it's always the shorter players or never. um but yeah it's it's just always so funny like Freddie Anderson I got to talk to him and he was like I think listed like six five or six four or something I'm like yeah you're not that tall like maybe I was just wearing nice shoes and like had a little <laughs> lift um, but, yeah, it was definitely an interesting experience and something that I realized uh, I wasn't cut out for. So kudos to you for doing that <laughs> every year for five years.
0: Thanks, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, anyways, let's move on to the main reason why you're here. Um, kind of talk about the album. Sorry to have you waiting and just wanting to talk about um, this album. So, might just go ahead and um, tell the audience what album you chose to talk about.
0: Uh, so I've chosen, uh, Jack's mannequins, uh, everything in transit.
1: Perfect. And do you remember the first listen or like first exposure that you had to
0: this album? I do. And it was sort of a weird one. I had never heard of the band before, even though like Jack's mannequins, something corporate is sort of under the umbrella of the stuff I was listening to already. Mm-hmm. But I remember my freshman year of high school, my, uh, homeroom teacher slash student council advisor we're gonna leave that one alone Uh, (laughs) that that was a really cool thing to say Mm. my student council in high school but uh he had a a tour poster up in his classroom from the the glass passenger tour and i just thought like jack's mannequin sounded like a cool band name And I was going to go check them out. And I just kind of worked through the catalog. Um, I think that was early Spotify as well. And uh, yeah, I so started with everything in transit, that one being the first one. And just like, I don't have a very precise answer for this, but like, it just, it like something kind of clicked for me and like that it hit in a particular way that uh, was good at the time. And it's, it's just stuck with me you know in the mm-hmm. god 10 years since
1: so this was so i guess yeah if you've listened to this band so this was a good portion like five years after the album came out around there so this yeah. is kind of like post like after the kind of big release and everything or like that releasing of yeah it. they
0: were i think getting ready to kind of wrap up like the people and things had just come out and they were kind of nearing the end of that whole band cycle so it was sort of a weird time to jump in like I think my sophomore year they were like this is the last tour we're done
1: like (laughs) Like, okay cool okay thanks (laughs) yeah it's always disappointing with that but it's also like kind of neat that you have this nice little package of like three albums that they have put out and um and just like having this and not knowing that and knowing that it's like, it's not going to change or anything. Like it's, it's, it's sometimes nice to have something short and just like not expanded and get ruined. And, and then you're like, you feel bad if they like are still releasing music and you haven't listened to anything. Um Yeah. Like, especially like, do you, do you listen to all the albums or is it specifically kind of everything in transit?
0: Um I'll dip back into the others from time to time, but everything in transit is the one that I I definitely listen to the most and sort of most consistently.
1: Yeah. And so like that being your first kind of exposure to the band, I guess, like, so do you, um, find like that it's aged at all, or is it more like a nostalgia thing that is kind of just still connects with you?
0: Um, more nostalgia. And I was thinking about this recently too, where like, I feel nostalgia for, The record and you know the period I was listening to it and everything but the actual record itself kind of has that feeling in a particular way like this very fun summer southern California thing and like I can feel like I'm tapping into that even though like I've never been to the west coast and like it's Mm -hmm. on the surface like an experience that's very foreign to me but somehow that emotion kind of hits in a particular way and it's hitting a little bit different now that we're all still you know alone in our houses all the time
1: (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um but yeah it's it's definitely like it's an interesting thing because like so how old were you when you kind of first listened to this
0: um would have been 14 15
1: okay so it's like a very kind of significant like what's the the old adage is like whatever you think was cool when you're 15 is like it's always something you revert back to and you kind of stick yeah. to it so this is like I do find that's a lot of the period of like just in the 20 or so episodes that I've done in this like it's a very like yeah I was in high school when I this came out kind of thing and it was also more so like one of the first albums that you really got into after you were just like and you kind of discovered it by yourself kind of thing um but yeah and it's always like a special kind of holding on to you like what's so like what do you think other than like the concept of kind of a west coast thing um what do you think like anything musically that you really grabbed onto with that first listen or first couple of listens
0: um i don't know it's just this is sort of imprecise but like it's a lot of jams like i'm not always looking for something that's really profound or makes me think a whole lot even though there's like some interesting themes in there that you can dig into Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's it's just a fun listen I mean I wasn't driving at the time but now that I am it's still very much an album that I can put on if I'm on a longer drive and can listen to straight through and it's just an enjoyable experience um
1: Mm and that yeah. still works yeah and like even though so I haven't heard this album before when um I did my little research before the episode when you uh told me what album you pick but um I found it was a very like I don't know like I don't know if power pop is the word but it's a very it's not very um like it's not a distortion heavy like fast or anything that I kind of thought of them first cuz i knew of the band previously but it was a more connection like i mentioned before like ap like alternative press was like very big um at that time and it was basically how i listened to a lot of bands um and discovered them and i heard the name and it was always there but it was kind of uh divergent and like i i learned later and like last week um that it was his um, like Andrew McMahon's it was so something corporate was the other band obviously. And I didn't realize that. And that was a more like pop punk band. So it's like the second project kind of more software has piano involved. Um, so it's like, I feel like it's a lot more like you could easier listen. Um, so to say, but it's a very, I don't know, like well put together album and like well crafted and thought out. Um, And you kind of get that from the first lesson, I feel like.
0: Yeah. And I mean, my understanding, I could be wrong here because I haven't like looked into this recently. Uh, My understanding is it sort of came out of this time where like something corporate had just gone on a hiatus. Um, I think Andrew McMahon had just broken up with his girlfriend, like long-term girlfriend. I think they're married now though. Um, And had like moved into a house with a bunch of his best friends from high school and the record sort of came out of that period. So it was a lot of like reflection and, you know, doing things a little bit differently and mm. figuring your shit out. Um, and I think, yeah, that that's very much <laughs> the vibe.
1: And did you feel like that was reflected in like what you were feeling at the time at all?
0: Um, no, honestly. Um, mm. Like which I, I think is so interesting that it's like, I kind of mentioned it's the whole experience feels a little bit foreign to me. Like I wasn't doing a big breakup at that time. I like my friend's situation was pretty stable and everything like, but something about it just still kind of hit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like that. And that makes sense too. Cause it's like, it's just another like he's telling a story, obviously. So it's a concept album based on like a move out to California and kind of after a lot of like breakup themes um, and that kind of makes sense. Um, But it's also like, it's something that you could tap into as like an alternative to just like something to enjoy and you don't have to like directly relate to it. Um, Like I've talked about this before on previous episodes, but it's something that, sometimes you can relate to a song very literally and be like, I feel the exact same way, or you can relate to a song that's more metaphorical or more of a transition into what you're feeling at the time. So like something can come up that seems so minor or it's almost like, okay, still like the old saying of like horoscopes that were meant like that were written for everyone to relate to kind of thing um i'm not saying that horoscopes are wrong or anything but it's like it's just this like thing that sometimes just the way it's crafted is able to you're able to take any experience something you've had a shitty day at work or whatever and apply that to your listen so it's a very like you could either do it full-on head-on or i feel like you just take it your own way and just or just enjoy the story like maybe With you, it was just enjoying it as like a peripheral thing of like a storytelling thing.
0: Yeah, that that feels right. And (laughs) I think it's interesting uh, how the listening experience has changed a little bit. Um, Now, I keep talking about quarantine and us living in our houses and everything. Like (laughs) at this point, like it feels a little bit more like an escapism piece. Like we're not all running around with our friends and doing whatever we want and not having any obligations to anything. Um, but I'm sure a lot of us wish that we were. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a little bit different now, but I think that's still interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so do you have like a favorite track on the album at all or something that you really gravitate to when you're cruising through and want to check this album out?
0: Um, probably the, t- um, yeah, probably the two would be, uh, La La Lie and then Rescued, which are very big, uh, kind of different on the uh, emotional spectrum there. But, mm-hmm. um, something about those two just kind of, like, feel comfortable to me still at this point. Okay.
1: And do you remember your, like, I guess it was when you first listened to the album, but like when you really gravitate towards those songs at all, like, was it a significant moment or anything that you just noticed that song and you kind of kept returning to it?
0: I don't know. I, um, I think it changed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I want to say initially my favorite on the record was dark blue. Okay. Um, and somewhere along the line that's changed. Um, I don't know when it happened, though. It's, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's always different for people that are, like, first experiencing um, an album, too. Like, sometimes when I really gravitate towards a song, it's just a since I listen to it, and I'm like, oh, that's neat. Um, like, even when, so when you listen to the album now, is it more of a full album thing or select songs at all?
0: Uh, it's a mix, um, mm-hmm. especially a lot of my listening is like the spotify daily mix like you're gonna throw some shit together for me and i'm gonna like it
1: yeah and yeah. i'm gonna
0: put that in while i'm uh, driving to work or whatever so i'll get random songs from there um on there um but i do listen to it straight through quite a bit whether that's in the car um that's what i'll listen to when i'm writing to just because mm. i think at this point it's so familiar i don't have to think too much about it I'm not going to get really distracted by it so yeah yeah
1: yeah that definitely always helps like I've had to revert to uh house music
0: when I'm working oh yeah
1: because it's no there's no words sometimes and it's like just very trance like in the thing like yeah so that totally makes sense That is something you're so familiar with and you don't have to think about the words or it doesn't absorb into you then um yeah that, it just kind of works for sure and is there anything like else that you feel like we already talked about like a, a little bit of the connection stuff, but is there anything like more artists that you kind of listen to because of Jack's mannequin? Like maybe so the first so the first artist I it came to mind when I listened to this album was Say Anything. It was a very, I don't know if you listen to them, but it's a very kind of similar vibe. Um very emo like there's a piano still in some tracks so I feel like that's a very key characteristic with some bands um but yeah was there anything like was this a launching off point or anything or is it just like a comfortable position you have
0: um it wasn't too much of a launching off point um as much as you might think I think one hmm. other that might have spun off from that is like parachute okay yeah but yeah I don't know it's I think that's interesting too because like it sort of just inhabits its own little space in my catalog like it's it's not quite the the pop punk whatever throwbacks that I'm listening to (laughs) definitely not the sort of dancey indie pop stuff Mm -hmm. that I'm more into at this point um it's like it's on its own little island a little bit
1: yeah and maybe that's more connected with like nostalgia and just like a personal connection with the record for sure too
0: yeah. All that said, I do still listen to, you know, Andrew McMahon's newer stuff that mm-hmm. probably doesn't like count as a launching off point. Cause <laughs> it's still him, but he keeps putting out new projects and I'll, I'll still listen to those, but yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, sometimes you just find bands that you really like certain things that they do and you don't need to, to change or don't need to like specifically mention, like I was talking to, A friend of mine and we were talking about like bands and just like characteristics that we kind of like and um, especially in like the Spotify and streaming age where if you don't like you know you don't like a certain like vocals or a certain like sound or mix or just like instrumentation then you could just move on quickly you don't and you're not like forced to completely like get enveloped by it because you bought the album or something like you feel like you're like you have to give it four listens or something. So like, maybe that's just like it with Jack's mannequin for you. Like you don't need another band that sounds similar because it's just like, it's this little package that you can just keep on returning to that. You don't need like another band to kind of rip them off or anything.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you're right on the money there. Yeah. Well,
1: it's, that's all we can say. We just like music and like uh, talking about it, I guess, and listening. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Maddie, so much for coming on the show. Um, it was wonderful to have you on. Is where can people find you and your stuff, all flyer stuff?
0: Um, I'll be writing still at, at Broad Street Hockey this season. Um, probably still tracking some prospect data. I probably next week have to sit down and figure out what the hell I'm even doing this season. <laughs> um, I've been avoiding it a little bit. Yeah, it all becomes very real, but. Um, yeah, just keep an eye out on the website. There'll be stuff happening there, whatever that looks like. It's yeah. a mystery for now.
1: <laughs> it's, it's always a fun website to visit no matter what content is, uh, there, not mine though. Um, anyways, <laughs> you can find the podcast at big underscore shiny underscore goons can follow me at notes are attained on Twitter. You can rate, review, subscribe, like, follow all those buttons that you can hit for the podcast. Um, and yeah, once again. Thank you, Maddie, so much for coming on the show and talking to some Jack's Manic.
0: Thanks for having me.